Hey, my fellow monkeys, what's up? Old Uncle Silverback here with you on the Armed Ape Podcast, the show where we review and talk about everything from guns, gear, and movies to life in general. Nothing is ever out of bounds. As always, everything we talk about has the end goal of making our lives better by cutting through all the marketing BS using logic, reason, and honest discussions. I look forward to hearing from you soon and to your participation in the show. Hey, my monkeys, what is going on? Today is Friday. It's the 1st of March, 2019. I am in the mobile studio. Let's go ahead and get our contact info going here. Today's show, I I don't know, it may be a little bit shorter. I don't know. Uh, But anyway, we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. So anyway... If you'd like to contact me, you got a couple of different ways that you can do so. There is the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. There is the email address where you can record your own audio, send that to me, or write in an email, and I'll get it out on the air for you. And that is thearmedape at gmail.com all one word thearmedape at gmail.com you can head over to the website and there are buttons for Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and some of that shit so check that stuff out if you want in fact right now I am dropping in the mailbox a Netflix envelope returning the movie 31 and this was a Rob Zombie movie starring, oh, there's a guy that I, I knew a couple of the people. The, the main people you would know would be like Malcolm McDowell. And then if you're familiar at all with any of Rob Zombie's movies, he always has, or at least I think he always has, Sherry Moon Zombie, which is his wife. She's always in there. So anyway, there was a couple other people that I sort of recognized Let's kind of cut to the chase on this one. I uh, so the movie is is thirty one. I watched this thing, and to tell you the truth, I didn't. I didn't really know what to think about it. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't, and I don't know if you're supposed to. Um, have sympathy for these characters or not, or if you're supposed to uh, identify with them, because the way that they were presented, they're just sort of like, uh, they're kind of just like trash, like trash boat people. All right, I'm back with you in the truck here. I got interrupted with a phone call. You know, that's one thing with the with the voice memo on the iPhone is if you get a phone call, it just shuts that thing off. Previously, before they did this last update, you you would uh, it would just basically go on pause and you could come back to it and be on the same thing. Now, for you guys, it really won't matter, but for me, it just means that there's extra files and stuff like that. Anyway, not that any of that stuff matters. So let's continue our our talk about 31 which was the Rob Zombie movie and 
like I was saying before, I didn't have any sort of uh, empathy. Is that maybe the right word? Or uh, something where I identified in, in some in some way with those characters and normally in a movie that's what you want to do you you uh, whether the character is supposed to be a good guy or a bad guy or something like that you're, the filmmaker in order for you to care about what happens to to the people in the movie again whether they're good or bad you have to be able to identify with them so you know you, that's why you can have you know the heroes and anti-heroes and that's why you can sometimes even identify with uh, the people that would be uh, be bad or at least you maybe you can kind of understand where they're coming from that type of thing or you're interested in them uh, and a good example is Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer uh, which was a, a movie starring Michael Rooker years and years ago and he is a totally evil you know serial killer but you kind of care what happens to the guy or you're at least curious what happens with these characters I didn't give a shit about any of them they were all annoying and it was almost like Rob Zombie sort of dragged up a bunch of people from you know from whom who, who he watched I, I think he's maybe around my age maybe a little younger um I'm not exactly sure how old he is, but it seemed like he he brought back some people that would have been maybe kind of from my childhood and watching shows like Welcome Back, Cotter, and you know stuff like that, and some of the older uh, uh, people. So normally, the way that I would do a review, let's say if this is your first time listening, and if it is, God help you. But normally the way I do a review is I will talk about the movie up to a certain point where if there are uh, spoilers or anything like that, where they're going to be kind of major, and then I'll say, okay, let's, we'll stop, I'll play some outro music, we'll come back, and then we'll... That way if you wanted to go and see the movie, you can kind of get a taste of it without having the ending or, or major plot point spoiled. Well, with this one, I'm not even going to worry about this. And I hated this movie. I thought it was horrible. So it, it's, it's going to be spoilerific. I will kind of talk about it you know, from a linear fashion or, or a linear perspective on how we're, we'll go ahead with the review. So the movie opens with... Uh, and I can't remember. I've seen this guy in some other stuff. And I actually, uh, the fact, the last thing I saw him in was he was the, I uh, played the chemist or the guy that makes the LSD in Mandy, which is a movie I really like. And I, I uh, am going to talk about that movie relatively soon. So, anyway, I like that guy as an actor. I, I, he is going to be probably, I hope, will be a character actor that will be around for a while. He has a very interesting face and an interesting look. And I think he can actually act. So the movie opens. You've got uh, that guy, which I, I don't know his name. And his name in the movie is Doom Head. D-O-O-M Head. H-E-A-D. 
And all the bad guys have these weird names like Sickhead and... I don't even remember what, what the other stuff was. Basically, this guy Doomhead, he comes in and he's giving a bunch of threatening talk to somebody that you don't see. Eventually, you see the guy and he's like a pastor. He's got the collar on. And he's talking about his wife and kids. And uh, basically, the guy eventually you know, says, oh, these other people are going to have fun with him. And, and he basically kills that guy. Then we cut to basically a bunch of like I said just like you know trash pandas in this uh, some type of a, a van I guess they're carnies I don't I don't know the writing and the dialogue is horrible uh, it's atrocious it seems like I don't know. It seems like there was a little bit of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe about, you know, a group of people sort of being in this in this van. In this case, they're in like a big RV. Um, you've got uh, one of the dudes who I think is from Welcome Back, Carter. You've got uh, another actress named Meg Foster who used to be known uh, for like these sort of bright blue eyes, super blue eyes that she used to have. Um, she kind of had, you know, if you think of the term like electric blue eyes, that's kind of what she had. So anyway, all of these people are kind of scumbags. Um, I guess we're supposed to think that, that uh, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie's character, her name is Charlie. I guess we're supposed to think like she's you know, super cool and hip, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Now, this will be a little bit of an aside and kind of said with the caveat of, you know, I'm an old man too, so. But it seems like that most of the people that are going to be the main kind of, I guess we'd call them protagonists, are older, which is fine. But I think they were cast because they were all older than Sherry Moon Zombie. You had the women, the other women that were in the movie that were younger than her are basically killed off, you know, within probably the first 20, 30 minutes or so. Uh, I think Sherry Moon Zombie is getting a little long in the tooth to play like the super sex pot you know woman um, I think that probably this movie would have been better cast if you would have had just a couple other people that were a little bit younger like Sherry Moon's Sherry, well I'm just going to call her Charlie so Charlie's character probably should have been played by somebody who was maybe 15 years younger and I think that would have made more sense. Um, Meg Foster, I think that's her name's character, could have been the same age. And most of the other people could have been the same age. Um, the dude from Welcome Back, Carter, you could have had him. You know, he could have been. But there was another guy that was cast, and I forget his name. Uh, but he probably would have been better to have been cast as a little bit younger guy. 
but I, I and and there was a guy who was sort of driving the bus that they're on the little RV thing. He gets he gets killed too relatively early on. So basically, what happens is they're these carnies. They're going, I guess, from carny spot to carny spot, and they're trying to you know figure out all these scams. I don't know if it is. They've got a couple other younger women with them. I don't know if if they are being groomed for you know maybe prostitution or something like that um they they talk about that charlie is used for some type of a hustle or something like that i you know i don't it's it's hard to sort of figure out you know what is actually going on and part of it you know it may have actually been spelled out a little bit more to be in an all uh, full disclosure, I uh, I fast forwarded through a lot of this movie. It that's how bad it was, and it, you know, it, like I said before, the writing was atrocious. Everything was pretty predictable. There was no, uh, there was really no major uh, twists or or anything that was revealed to you. That was um, that you couldn't see coming from a mile away. So anyway, we'll kind of get back to the narrative. They're on. They're all on this RV and they're kind of doing their thing. And eventually, they pull up to this gas station that they're they're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. They're gonna get gas. Charlie gets off the bus, and then there's some uh, a character actor that you would realize, and you know everybody's got kind of fucked up teeth and I think they're almost like Billy Bob teeth you know type thing Uh, but anyway a lot of these people you would probably recognize from past horror movies and things like that or uh, from a lot of stuff from the 70s oh and that's that's another thing is this the uh, time frame of the movie I think is 74 or 76 something like that so anyway they are so there's no cell phones there's no anything like that although you wouldn't necessarily have had to place it back in the 70s. It could have easily been a story that was told today. I don't, there was really no reason you might say, oh, well, you know, you don't want to have cell phones or this, that, and the other thing. But where they were at, you could just say, oh, there's no cell service out here. Or their their phones are taken away, that type of thing. So anyway, what happens is they go to this uh, gas station Charlie gets off the bus and of course there's this old man and he is, you know, enamored with her and she goes up and grabs his dick and he's like, oh, just ridiculous. Again, it's like something that a 14 year old boy wrote and thought, oh, you know, this would be cool. This would be, you know, so they get gas. Um, one of the guy, I think his name is Panda or something like that. He's approached by this uh, by this girl, um, and I think her name she's you'd recognize her. I think she's done a lot of voice work uh, in animation and cartoons and things like that, and I and she's done some other live action stuff as well. And her name is E. G. Daly, and again. She's probably in her late 40s, which is fine, but they're having her dress and play like she's in her, 
mid-20s, mid to late 20s. So it, 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 part of it, it kind of works and it kind of doesn't. You know, you could say, well, are, you know, is this character supposed to be trying to cling to their youth type thing? But I don't think that was it. I, again, I go back to sort of maybe some of the casting is because Sherry Moon Zombie is getting a little older, the other women that are going to be major players in the movie are her age or older, that type of thing. Uh, and look, I, you know, I shouldn't, uh, the, um, that Meg Foster did not age well. Yikes. I mean, she looks like a wrinkled up old prune. Um, and again, you could say, well, she's not there being cast sort of as a sex pot type thing or as a, a female lead that you're supposed to be kind of attracted to or think is very pretty. Um, I mean, to be fair, pretty much the way they have all the other people, everybody's kind of an uggo. You know, it's like the uggo squad has come out. And again, I'm not, uh, I'm no Brad Pitt, but, uh, woo, woo. So anyway, the, um, they get gas. This the E.G. Daly's character comes up and kind of flirts with this guy named Panda, and asks, "Oh, are you guys hunting? Do you you know? Do you have any weapons? Do you, you know?" And, and again, it's real ham-fisted, and she's asking, "You know, do you have any? You know, are you guys on the hunting trips, or do you have any guns in there?" And he's like, "Well, we're not hunting, but we do have a shotgun in here." And and so uh, eventually, later that night, they're driving down the road, and on the one main road that they're on, they've got all these like scarecrow type things. A couple of guys get out to go move stuff. There is in total in the RV, there is, let me think. Um, trying to think there's, there's uh, Charlie, there's the older lady. There's two other younger women. There is, and four other men. So how many is that? Let me think here. So we've got four men and four women. So there's eight of them to start with. What happens is when they go to clear out the scarecrow guys that are in the road, you have tons of these weird looking like clown guys and, you know, that are that, that basically run up and they stab a cup they stab one of the uh and kill the two younger women they kill the the guy who was driving the RV who was a younger guy and then they take the five of them that are left and they go back to this basically I don't know if it's like an abandoned factory or something that's out in the middle of nowhere but they take them all back there and they're um, they're kind of all chained up and they each have numbers. And then you have Malcolm McDowell and some of, and these two other older women that are in kind of like Louis the Sixteenth times white powdered makeup and wigs on, and they're betting about who's gonna survive. Then we meet this guy named Sickhead, who is uh He's like a little person, and he's like a little person Nazi dude. He's so like a Hitler kind of guy who speaks only Spanish, who speaks mostly Spanish, I guess I should say. Eventually, they cut these, they um, drug the people while they're still chained up, 
and they put them in different places in this factory. They give them weapons, and then uh, little Hitler is going to go and hunt them down, and he's got basically these long daggers. He eventually gets to and uh, stabs up another dude. Uh, they eventually kill him off. Then you have these two other guys that are brothers, I guess, and everybody's kind of dressed up kind of in weird clown makeup. And these guys have chainsaws. They eventually kill... I'm trying to think. They eventually kill this other guy. At one point, one of the guys that got... The first guy that got killed, they make a... Uh, there's this table where all this food is out there. And for whatever reason, these people decide, oh, they're going to sit down and eat. And the women, it's funny, the women don't... So Sherry, so Charlie and then the other the other Meg Foster's uh, character. It's, it's almost like it's like this weird female empowerment type thing. So they're the ones that kind of ultimately make the, the decisions and have the control. They're the ones that when the kills come, I think they're the ones that are doing the kills. Uh, the men are kind of, damsels in distress yeah they fight and stuff but i don't i can't and to be to be honest i've forgotten a lot about this movie this is how you know terrible it is um the guy who uh was on welcome back carter who was uh freddie boom boom washington if you guys if that makes any sense to you guys or kind of uh calls up some old files from the past on the old meat computer he is, for whatever reason, they make him be Jamaican. And he can't really pull it off. It's, I mean, he tries, but it's it's horrible. And there's really no reason to have him be a Jamaican. Why don't you just have him be just like a regular, a regular guy? And so, again, this was sort of written and directed by Rob Zombie. And it almost seems like... I don't know. I wouldn't say it would be a cash grab, but it maybe it's one of those things where you, uh, if you've got a, a total creative control and you're not really wis- li- willing to listen to other people and listening to valid critiques and criticisms and stuff, uh, you know, I. It almost seems like this was a first draft of of, uh, of a script, and they just went ahead and filmed it. Um, so anyway, uh, eventually, a little oh what what so the one main guy gets kind of killed off, and they're eventually going through, and a few hours have passed. What they're supposed to do is, if they can survive, I believe it's twelve hours or something like that, then they'll they'll be able to go free. So it's been a few hours. One guy's been killed. They come to a, a uh, uh, like I said, like a dining table that's all set up. It looks really good. The Jamaican character is like, oh, I'm so hungry. And, you know, maybe they haven't eaten in 12, 13 hours. Who, you know, who knows? That, that's not ever really made clear. 
So anyway, one guy says, this is probably all poison. I'm not going to eat. So eventually, though, the two guys do start eating. And it turns out that Charlie's character moves the uh, tablecloth aside. And there is the butchered carcass of the guy. And, of course, they're puking up their food and all this other stuff. So, But, again, in that situation, you wouldn't you wouldn't eat that food and the one guy says oh it's probably poisoned and then she says no and then meg foster's character the we'll call her grandma grandma um basically says no they're not going to poison it they're like well how do you know and he's like well because they want us to play this game so they're not going to the game of you know them being hunted inside this old factory you know that's why they decide to go ahead and eat uh Eventually, there's these two other guys that come, and they're like these chainsaw brothers, and, and uh, eventually they're defeated. They get killed, uh, but they kill, eventually they kill, um, oh, uh, Jamaica, we'll just call him that. After that, so we have like three people, then then another group of, of uh, killers is sent out. And there this uh, is E.G. Daly, and she plays Sex Head, and then there's another guy called Deathhead, who I think was, he looked like D. Snyder from Twisted Sister. I don't think it was him. Uh, but anyway, eventually those guys are uh, dispatched. They, uh, they end up killing, I think, and I can't remember how Meg Foster dies, how Grandma dies, if the uh, one of the chainsaw guys gets her. I don't think so. I think, I think... Uh, sex head or, or and death head or whatever they they eventually get them but eventually they're dispatched and so we're down to maybe two people where we have oh actually we're at down to three like i said it, it, it's it's all kind of bad. so anyway the uh sex and death get uh get dispatched so there's three, the three characters, and I know this is kind of a shit review of how the story goes, but really it's, there's hardly anything worth remembering. So anyway, there's actually three of them. There's Grandma, there's Charlie, and there's Panda. And Panda has basically been beat to shit in surviving a lot of these attacks. So they finally call in their last guy, which is Doomhead, which is the guy that we saw at the first of the movie. Doomhead comes in. He has these two kind of, I don't know, like eight-inch switchblades or something like that. He eventually finds and corners Meg Foster, Grandma, and he basically guts her. He then, uh, Charlie and Panda, are trying to find their way out. And they, they find this hatch that maybe leads to the outside, or they think it does. Panda tells Charlie, you get down the thing. They see Doomhead's coming. She's like, I'm not going to leave without you. Oh, but, you know, that kind of tired, typical trope. And he's like, you know, I can't make it. You know, you can. And the reason he's saying he can't make it is he's all he's all kind of fucked up. So he is going to try and fight, you know, Doomhead. Of course, Doomhead dispatches him rather quickly. Charlie makes it outside. Doomhead eventually tracks her down to this house where she sees like this little I don't know, kind of clockwork carnival type thing. And she kind of freaks out. I, why she freaks out, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Doomhead catches up to her, starts to choke her, but, you know, goes into all this soliloquy. 
And then over the speakers, they're like, weapons down, weapons down. And so he stopped, you know, he, he stopped to choke her and he wants to talk to her and taunt her some more. But then he kind of runs out of time. So eventually she is just sort of walking down the road and we see a van pulls up and then Doomhead gets out. He approaches her. He takes out his knives and the last thing, and we're kind of going back and forth between the faces between him and Charlie. And the last thing that we see is he's got his knives out. He's getting ready to approach her. And then she makes a fist. Well, you know, she's, I guess we're supposed to believe she's dead. Or is that fist her define? you know, a defiant thing? Again, poorly written, poorly executed, a shit ending, unbelievable stuff. And you can say, well, you know, some of these movies you kind of have to turn your brain off and all that type of thing. But even within the confines of this movie, with the rules of this movie, you're going to say, eh, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. So, anyway, that's kind of it. Skip this thing. I mean, if you if you really like Rob Zombie and you're kind of a completist and maybe you want to see just everything that he does, just from a, a curiosity standpoint of, well, how did he do this movie? What decisions did he make? What choices did he make? That type of thing. I'd say go ahead and watch it. It's um, it's it's kind of an ugly movie. It's shot, you know, the cinematography of it, the mood of it is kind of ugly. It kind of seems like it's dirty. Again, maybe trying to go a little bit for sort of the feel of some of the exploitation movies or independent movies of the 70s. I think it kind of fails in that. Um, so it, 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 it sort of tried too hard to have character actors that have a lot of character, if you know what I mean. So if, if we looked at you know movies uh, like a lot of the spaghetti westerns and you looked at... Uh, uh, things like um, all the stuff that Clint Eastwood was in. So the good, the bad, and the ugly. If you look at things like even the Terrence Hill movies, if you look at some of the uh, Marconi stuff, you see that he, he used people with real interesting faces. But I think it was more legit with this. I think that... that Rob Zombie is doing stuff because he thinks it's going to be cool. He thinks it's going to have a cool look. Whereas some of those spaghetti westerns, those guys were like, oh, I like these actors. I like the look. I like this. And they fit the look that I want. Whether or not it's going to be cool or not, he's doing it maybe to further the story or set the mood. So anyway, that is going to draw it to a close, guys. I hope this wasn't too incoherent and rambling. But believe me, the movie was incoherent and rambling. Like I said, give this thing a pass. All right, let me leave you actually with something that is kind of good. I'll give you a couple recommendations. Actually, uh, I'm going to come back. Uh, it's not going to make much difference to you, but I'm going to come back and do one final little wrap-up. I got to, uh, uh, to end the recording now. So I'll talk to you guys here in a couple seconds. All right, monkeys, I am back for the final couple of minutes of the show here. Now, after the fiasco and the shit show that 31 is, I did want to give you guys some movies that I thought would be worth your while. I have not reviewed these yet, as far as I know. I may have mentioned them in passing. And in looking at these movies, again, or kind of revisiting them for a recommendation for you guys, I think that I will go ahead in the future 
review these. So if you if you like to have seen the movies before I talk about them, that type of thing, this would be a good chance to go ahead and and uh, get these. I think all these are still available if you have Netflix through the discs or something like that. I don't know if really any of them are streaming, but I'm pretty sure you can get all of them uh, through Netflix through uh, through the disc service if you have that. So the first movie is a movie called Chained, and it stars Vincent D'Onofrio. This is from 2012. Kind of the uh, 30-second pitch of it is, is you have Bob, who is played by Vincent D'Onofrio. He has captured a little boy named Tim, and he keeps him basically chained up in his house, kind of as his slave, I guess, for lack of a better term. So, And then the story kind of unfolds and goes forward and, and all that stuff from there. But it's a, again, all, all these things are going to be what I consider to be worthwhile watches. They may be different as far as genre or subject matter, that type of thing. So the next movie is from 2010, and it's a movie called The Dead. And it takes place in, in I think, sub-Saharan Africa, I think. I, I'm not exactly sure where they are in Africa for sure. But anyway, there's this guy who is a soldier, and then there's the zombie outbreak, and he kind of has to make his way to safety and, and, and try and figure out kind of how to survive. This one is much more of a low-budget movie. Uh, all uh, um, These first two, Chained and The Dead, are what I would probably consider more independent movies. I did like The Dead quite a bit. The reality is you are kind of with The Dead. You're pretty much going on a journey with this one single guy. Uh, and I, I like stuff like that, so... Now for our final one, this was a movie that was released in 1978 and is called The Driver, and it stars Ryan O'Neill, not to be confused with, I think it was just called maybe Driver or Drive, I can't remember the movie that starred Ryan Gosling, and I think this is probably in um, the Ryan Gosling movie, is, I'm sure is inspired from The Driver, but basically Ryan O'Neill is a professional driver and the movie makes a little bit more sense he's a, a getaway man and the movie makes a little bit more sense in that maybe in the late 70s early 80s you could you might be able to outrun some people that type of thing i think it's a little bit harder to do today so but anyway it's a very good movie they have some oh what would you call them i guess perspective shots where these two guys, these two professional drivers are sort of stalking each other, but they're in cars. And the way that they do it is very, very interesting. So anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the show today. Hope you enjoyed it. And again, I'll give you those three movies again real quick. Chain, 2012, The Driver, 1978, and The Dead, 2010. Go ahead and check those things out, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. I will talk to you guys next time. Later, monkeys.